Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. <laughs> I can't even start this without laughing. Oh my it's God. It's fine. Start it laughing. I love that. I, we're, we're going to. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Lucrative Society podcast. I am already cracking up because my guest today is a dear friend of mine, an awesome coach, a fantastic speaker, and he does a lot of awesome other stuff too. So I'll have him tell you guys about that. But welcome to the show, Jason Goldberg. Well, now that I'm here, it's going to become the ludicrous society uh, because this is, this is going to be completely jam. Sorry, I'm ruining the entire brand in the first five seconds of our interview. I hope that's okay, Mindy. I'm all good with that because <laughs> I know you. And <laughs> if I expected anything other than that, I would not have invited you to this program. Good call. So good call. JG, my buddy. You and I have had a lot of conversations over the years about money. Yes. And this show is essentially came from my challenges, my experiences, my sometimes really hard growth <laughs> through the evolution of like figuring out money, wealth, that whole scene. And I know you have so much to say about this, so I'm super excited to get into it. But because I know you really well, our listener may not. Could you give them a little bit of your evolution as an entrepreneur and specifically probably as it relates to money? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, the money conversation is always super interesting to me because I, I always like to say that like on the, on the, on the family, on my family crest, like the Goldberg family crest, it was like, I'm scared of money. Uh, money always leaves. It was like oh, on man. the family crest. It was like, that was the mantra for the Goldbergs. Uh, and so I, I totally get that. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, money challenges my whole life and, and it was more uh, my relationship to money more than anything else. And, and I was raised by a single mother. I'm an only child. Uh, she worked her butt off. She still works to this day. She's, you know, in her seventies. Uh, she did become a life coach a couple of years ago, which is freaking amazing. But, uh, but just all that stuff with money stuff. So I saw very early on that in my mom's struggles with money to, you know, to take care of me and to do all these things completely on her own. I mean, my grandparents were around to like babysit and stuff. And, and so was my uncle uh, when she would work at nights. But what I knew right away, and, and, and you'll see this with people in all kinds of different, um, you know, kind of struggling situations, you see people who they're like, their, their parent is an alcoholic. And so they either say, my parent was an alcoholic, now I'm an alcoholic, or my parent's an alcoholic, I'm never touching alcohol ever. And it was the same thing here. It was like, my mom had money issues, so I'm never going to be that way. I'm going to, if I have to kill myself working to make sure I never struggle in that way, I will do that. And so I became very achievement oriented, very like, I'm going to crush it. Like way before Gary Vee was crushing it, I was all about crushing it. I didn't say those words, but, but I was, I was all about like achievement. And so, you know, I'm somebody where I got in, I had my first real job at like 15 and a half, my first legal job. But at 12, I was working in baseball card stores and like getting discounts on buying packs of baseball cards and then taking the ones out that had the most value according to the Beckett guide. There was a thing called the Beckett guide that would tell you how much each card was worth. And then I got this suitcase, Mindy, from a, from a garage sale for $3. And I went inside the suitcase, I put all the best cards and I would set up like a friggin' drug dealer, pop open my suitcase and sell these cards one by one to the kids. And the parents loved it because the parents didn't have to keep buying packs and packs of cards. They'd buy the one the kid actually wanted and they'd be happy. 
So from a very early age, like I had the entrepreneurial gene and whether it was healthy or not, it was really to achieve. And so I brought that into my corporate life. Uh, I was in technology for the better part of 15 years, the last half of that in IT consulting, making well over six figures in my mid twenties and just working my butt off constantly to never feel like I would have money scarcity issues. And then here's the funny part. No matter how much money I had, I still had money scarcity issues. So uh, it didn't really matter uh, the number in the bank. So yeah, that, that's been my relationship to money kind of my entire life. I really would love to have a photo of you with your baseball card suitcase. <laughs> I wonder if it exists. I wonder if anybody, it just, you know, cameras were so hard back then. It would have been like a Polaroid or like, you know, you have to get it developed. I don't know if it exists. Ask your mom if she has that because I, I, I would love to see that. So let's talk about what you're doing now because you have yeah. all kinds of really, really cool things going on. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So as a part of that journey and it was working on the money stuff, it was working on, you know, self-love stuff and, and it was working on uh, mindset stuff. And it was all these things that I needed to work on because, you know, into my, my mid to late twenties, making, you know, the six figure salary, having what looked like the perfect marriage and having the house and having the car and having all the things that I wanted uh, or thought I wanted or thought would make me happy. I was also 332 pounds, right? I was at the, the highest weight I had ever been in my life. And, you know, I'm six feet tall, but still 332 pounds is, is pretty dangerous. And I was really kind of dying a slow death, this morbid obesity and all the stress and the anxiety and the depression and even the suicidal thoughts into my mid to late twenties. I didn't really, I wasn't really living as much as I was kind of going through the motions. And that's when I kind of discovered personal growth uh, really as kind of a last ditch effort because I was so sad and I saw people who had been through stuff that was objectively worse than what I had been through and yet they seemed to be okay. And I'm like, I'm a pretty smart guy. What do they know that I don't? And so I started reverse engineering and started finding personal growth. So fast forward, left corporate in 2011, had a couple other startups, one in the transportation space, uh, one in uh, the technology space in partnership with NASA, technology commercialization. And through that whole process of becoming an entrepreneur and shifting into that, that mindset, which is a totally different mindset than an employee mindset, I was having coaches. I was being coached. I was, I was seeing all of these transformations for myself. And that, in a completely selfish way, became, wow, this is amazing. How do I get paid to help other people do the same thing? And how do I get paid to have an excuse to keep learning this stuff for myself? And that's how I kind of fell into coaching, fell into speaking, fell into doing all the things that I'm doing now. And so now I run training programs, coaching programs, I speak, I do all the, all the things uh, in, in order to hopefully help other people have some semblance of the same transformation I have. Love it. So let's, because I think for you and I, this is the most obvious thing, but let's define a little bit what you, what you just said, the employee mindset versus the entrepreneur mindset. Mm. You and I both came from corporate and have done the entrepreneur thing. So we get both sides of that spectrum, but those that are employees specifically that might want to eventually get out of that role and become an entre entrepreneur, can you talk a little bit about that, the difference in that mindset? Yeah, and for the, for the entrepreneurs who are listening, don't think you're allowed to tune out and go make a grilled cheese sandwich because you could be a couple years or more into your business and still have an employee mindset. So, uh, uh, you know, Good changing- point. Yeah, changing setting doesn't change your set, right? Just, just changing setting alone. So this is applicable for, for everybody. So this shows up in a lot of different ways. Number one, it shows up in this belief that there is a limit to how much you can be paid for the work that you do. 
uh, when you're in a corporate environment, most of the time, unless you're in a very high level position, and even then it's not necessarily even true, there are other people that can do your job. And so there is a set limit set by the corporation based on profit and loss, based on a lot of different things as to how much compensation you can make. Now, of course, if you have commissions and other things like that, you have, you have base plus bonus, there are ways to increase that, but even still, there's typically a limit. Uh, and, and that mindset can be really, really challenging when we then try to price ourselves when we go out into the world as coaches or speakers. Because to say, I'm gonna get paid $10,000 for an hour of being on stage, as amazing and like glamorous as that sounds for people, nine out of 10 people don't believe they deserve that because they would never get paid $10,000 for an hour of work at their corporate job. And so that's a huge one first and foremost to look at is that you are not being paid for the hour you are delivering time. You are not being paid uh, for a, uh, you're not trading your time for money here. You are doing as that old story with Picasso where the woman walks up to Picasso in the restaurant and says, will you draw something for me? And he grabs the napkin, draws it in 30 seconds, gives it to her and says, it'll be 20 grand. And she says, that took you 30 seconds. And he goes, no, it took me 30 years. You're being paid for everything you've been through and overcome and, and, and grown through and created to be able to be the person on that stage that can share that message and impact people in a way where the hour they're in the room with you is the beginning of their transformation. The next 10, 20 years of their life could be impacted massively by what they heard in that hour. So $10,000 is a steal. Mic drop. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't need to ask you anything else. <laughs> well, it was good to see you, man. <laughs> I will though. Let's talk about, I would love to know your definition of wealth. What, what does wealth mean to you? That's a really good question. What's my definition of wealth? I, you know, it's funny. I don't think about wealth as much as I think of, and this is, it's probably two sides of the same coin, but just from a semantic standpoint, I always think of, of financial security, right? So financial security for me is, has been more what I've looked to attain than wealth. And, and maybe that's a developmental thing. And, and as, you know, as you go through the thing, you shift over to wealth or maybe it's just semantics. So the reason I say that is because to me, and this is something that a coach told me, a coach of mine told me years ago that really resonated because of this employee mindset and because of the money scarcity issues I had, I always thought there was a number in the bank that I would feel I am now financially secure. And of course, you can read stories all over the place of people who have $10 million in the bank and are completely terrified that it's all gonna disappear. Or when I was making $100,000 plus in my corporate job worrying, oh my God, if I lose this job, what if I don't find another job where I make $100,000 plus a year? There's no number. And so the shift there became financial security or financial freedom even, if you will, is knowing that you know how to create money when you need to create money. And to me, that's true freedom because now I'm not tied to a number in the bank. I'm simply tied to my resourcefulness. Instead of being tied to my resources, I'm tied to my resourcefulness. And that's something I can control. Uh, and so if you can get really good at understanding uh, and knowing how to make money from your skills and gifts, then you have an innate sense of financial security or financial freedom, no matter what numbers in the bank, at least in my experience. And I would add on to that, that if you are doing it from your own skills and gifts, that it is highly integrated into your purpose as well. Like it's why Absolutely. you're here. So I love that. What does financial security or financial freedom what does that get you? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, it's funny. I think what it gets you, what it gets me uh, is, um, uh, how can I say this? Recaptured energy, right? So like, I feel like when, I, when I'm not in a place of financial freedom or financial security and, and, and realize that 
the way we're talking about this right now, financial freedom and financial security is a place to come from, not a place to get to. So if we're, if we're coming from financial security and from financial freedom, then I am not leaking my energy trying to manage a number in the bank that I think will give me the safety and peace that I'm looking for. I can essentially cut out the middleman and be happy and peaceful now. And, and that's not an easy thing. It's, it's simple, right? I'm making this very simple and I don't want people rolling their eyes saying, oh, he, yeah, sure, it's easy for him to say. No, this is a practice, right? This is a practice to anchor into that. But when you live in the direction of that, you don't have to do it perfectly, you don't have to do it 100% of the time. When you are living in the direction of that insider, of that understanding, it, it's so much, there's so much more ease in my life. I love that. And thank you for not having leaky energy. You know me, I can't stand, I call those people oozy. <laughs> oh, ooh, yeah, that's even better than leaky. Like, oozy is visceral. They're that, oozy. Yeah. I used to mm. say that all the time. And I remember Sean being like, what are you even talking about? I'm like, it's like they're leaking everywhere. It's gross. <laughs> I, I feel it. I, I, I have felt it from others and I absolutely feel it when it's happening from me as well. Totally. I, I absolutely have been there also. So I love that you use two words in that last bit, happiness and peace. Yep. And one of the things that I want to focus on in this show is like that integration of wealth as we, however we ourselves define wealth and the experience of happy, because I don't think that wealth is necessarily an experience but happy is, and I think mm. that they play together well. <laughs> yeah. So for you personally, when are you happy? Like, how do you know when you're happy? Yeah, I, I definitely, and again, I, I, you know me, I want to be as real as possible. I don't like, you know, like the just BS platitudes and whatever else. No, um, I would kick you off the show if you start. Yeah, I, I, know, I know you would. And that's, that's why I know that I can say whatever I want here. To, to say that it doesn't feel really good to get the, the, the proverbial cha-ching in your account and that the dopamine hit doesn't feel amazing would be an effing lie. People are like, no, you know, I just have money flowing to me and it just, it just doesn't affect my, my sight. It doesn't make me happy at all. It's neutral. I'm not there, dude. Like, I, when money comes <laughs> in, it feels, really, yeah, it feels really good for money to come in. I dig it. And it's exactly that, a dopamine hit. It's not sustainable, right? Uh, and even if it is sustainable and the money's coming in every day, the day that the money doesn't come in, it's all gone, right? So it's still not sustainable. Well, right? then it's like a crisis. Then exactly. Then it, exactly. It's like not, you don't drop two notches down. You drop all the way down. You go from the ceiling to the floor, right? And, and that, that happens really quickly. So for me, it's actually an insight that I realized uh, a couple of years ago. I remember I was, I was in, I was actually in Estonia and I was listening to somebody talk about something on stage. And, and uh, like I typically do when I'm listening to people on stage, which I think is a good thing, is I'm hearing less what they're saying to us, but more what I'm saying to myself about what they're saying to us. And what I realized in that moment was that money feels like security, but impact feels like joy, right? Impact mm -hmm. feels like happiness. And so if I had a, like a um, puppy kicking business. I, I don't know what the hell that means. But like, if I, like, I'm, I just, I don't know, you know, you Where never know. Come from? I don't know. I don't, I, oh my God. This is why I shouldn't take tequila shots before I go on <laughs> podcast episodes. Um, so uh, I thought I was microdosing the psilocybin. I didn't realize right, I was right. microdosing. So, so if I had some business where I didn't feel like I was making a positive impact, then the money would be very unfulfilling. Uh, it would be great because I would have whatever, quote, security, whatever, you know, home, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, bottom stuff taken care of. 
But for me, if I don't feel joy in what I'm doing, if I don't feel impact in what I'm doing, then it's not worth it. So for me, and you know this very well about me, is that my, my happy place, my joy place is in serving, it's in, in performing, right? So it's one of those things where it's like, what would you do for the rest of your life even if you weren't getting paid? It's some kind of teaching, some kind of performing, some kind of joy activation for people. So Making to me, that's- people laugh. Making people, that, that's exactly it. Like I, I always say for me, I want people to, to laugh in the room and think on the way home, right? If I can make them <laughs> laugh in the room and think on the way home, then I've done my job, right? I think that's not mine. That may be from Chris Rock, uh, which looks a lot like me. So you may get a second. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm confused. <laughs> so, so that's my thing. Like, and, you, and you know this, like I always say I have a one-line business plan. And my one-line business plan is to leave everybody I meet with at least 5% more joy than I found them. And if I can nail that, uh, I, I'm good. Like, I really, I feel like I'm good if I can nail that. Love it. Let's talk about curiosity. I am so into curiosity and asking the question, what are you curious about? Because I am learning fascinating things. No, what did you say earlier? Fan-fucking-tastic things. <laughs> fucking-tastic things. Jason doesn't believe in the word fantastic. Yes. I've never heard it before. I don't know no. what that means. Had to add that other part in. Yes. So with curiosity, Give me like five to 10, just whatever comes up first. What are you curious about? Mm. Oh man, God, I'm curious about so many things. I'm curious it's about- It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, and here's the thing too, is like some of my curiosities are not like uh, joyful things. Some of my curiosities are like digging into shadow parts of myself and being like, where the hell did this come from? And how do I rewrite this and all that? So like, that's part of my curiosities. So one of my curiosities is uh, right now, as of, as of the time of us doing this, is flow, is like the science of flow. I've really dived into that a lot. I'm a big fan of like Stephen Kotler and, and the work he does. And he's become a friend over the last few years. And so I'm studying his stuff now. And I'm really, really digging that because I feel like there's a great intersection between um, lightening up and, and living a not so serious life that I, that I talk about and the scientific part of, of flow. I think those two things together are just huge. So I'm really curious about that. Um, I'm also, I've also become really curious about, and something I didn't think I would really be as curious about, uh, is about kind of the, the shadow work of like where, like, like attachment styles, right? So like the, the whole attachment theory thing and like neediness and enmeshment and like how you were raised and how it shapes your relationships now and noticing how some of the stuff from my past shapes the way I show up in personal or romantic or professional relationships. That's something I'm really curious about right now and, and diving into it big time. So that's been really cool as well. Um, let's see, what else am I curious about? I'm curious about, um, uh, I'm curious about figuring out why I have such an aversion to cooking while also really wanting to know how to cook. It's a very strange huh. thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, wa I want to want to cook. I'm not even there yet. I don't, <laughs> I don't really cook, and I don't really want to want to. Just, just where I'm at personally. Fair. It's super fair. Um, God, what else? What am I curious about? This is such a good question. Nobody's ever asked me this before. Um, let's see. I'm curious. Okay, here, here's one, and it's going to sound weird, but it's true. I'm curious... Um, about how many breakfast burritos I can eat. From, like, like, no, no, sorry, let, let, me, let me clarify that. Not at one time, not at one time. I'm not going for like glutton stuff, uh, okay. but I, I want to try every breakfast burrito in the state of California to find like the, I'm obsessed. I am obsessed with anything that is a delivery mechanism for other food, right? So like burritos, it's a delivery mechanism for other food. Dumplings, 
a delivery mechanism for other food. I am obsessed with foods that are delivery mechanisms for other foods. So I'm curious about any food that fits into that category. <laughs> you asked, Mindy, you asked. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, so we're talking like restaurants, right? Like you're going to go try all those different yes. breakfast burritos. Yeah, I'm not, okay, come on. Do you think I'm going to make a breakfast burrito? No, come on. They have like microwavable breakfast burritos. Uh, that, that, that's a good point. That's actually a good point. The problem with those is that they always have that like one spot in the middle that's ice cold. And I have this weird thing. With, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I've even had it. I'll have to ask my mom if I had it as a kid. I have a weird thing with textures with food. Do you have that at all? Do you ever have a texture thing with food? I mean, unless it it's like sand. Yeah, that would be probably. <laughs> yeah, yes, a, yeah, a sand burrito. Yeah, a sand burrito definitely. No, would I not mean, be like, let's if you're eating a cracker and it's like super dry and it's it's like sand. I mean, that would be problematic. Otherwise, Got no, it. I don't think I have a texture issue with food. I have major texture issues with foods. So like if there's like a little bit too much cheese on a pizza and the pizza has gotten cold enough where the cheese is kind of like coagulated, yeah. I can't bite into that pizza because it grosses me out. Wow. So, yeah, I need therapy. This is, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's it. All I have to say is when you first started down the breakfast burrito topic, I, I had written down 332 pounds. <laughs> because to me, I was like, wow, that would be more than three of me. That's true. More than three Mindy's, which is, you know, you can't wrap your mind around that. So that, that was my concern with the breakfast burrito yes, conversation. That, it's, but it's a valid you're concern. going to like different restaurants and stuff. That's different. I, I'm all for that. Different restaurants. And maybe I don't eat the whole burrito either. Maybe I just get like the taste of it. Or maybe I get somebody else to eat the burrito and I just smell their breath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... Those that can't see us right now, I'm just shaking my head because I have nothing, nothing to say to that. Yeah, that's, so, that's it. Um, so that's some of the stuff I'm curious about. I'm always curious about tech as well. Like I just love technology. Um, and another thing too, a friend of mine came out with a, a documentary and it was all about uh, uh, deep brain stimulation, like having di like diodes implanted in your brain. And she did an amazing documentary called I Am Human. And it, it, carried, uh, it covered three different people, like one who had Parkinson's, one who was paralyzed from the neck down, and one who was blind, who developed like adult blindness, and using these different uh, technologies to reverse those things. And when I watched that documentary, I'm like, wow, like I need to dig more into that as well. So anything that's like future tech kind of stuff, I just think is so freaking cool. Nice. I love that. So I'm going to walk you through a framework called HERB, H-E-R-B. Love it. The H stands for habits. What are some of the habits that you have that help you be who you want to be? Yeah, so I am a pretty routine-driven person. Uh, I, I, and I like, I like my routine. I, uh, I'm very orderly. I actually had somebody ask me this yesterday. So I typically wake up like at the same time. So it's usually between, uh, between five 30 and six, typically I'll wake up, uh, usually pretty naturally. I have an alarm to make sure, but I don't usually need it. Uh, I wake up and the first thing I do, first thing I do is if there are any dishes in the sink, I wash them. I make my bed. I like, I just tidy up. If there's anything to be tidied, I tidied up because for me, I can't have the oozing of my energy. Uh, trying to manage all this like crazy stuff around me. That's something I do every single morning, including the weekends. Uh, I will also um, typically read or meditate in the morning. 
which is obviously pretty standard. And one thing I've just added into the mix that you'll probably love is I got the, uh, the, the heart math ear monitor, like Bluetooth thing. So yep. I can like, check, you know, be in coherence and, and check my heart rate variability and everything. And I have a very funny story about that, by the way, that I think you'll love, but I, I've started putting that into my, uh, my routine as well now, which has been really cool just in the last couple of weeks. So I'll do that. Uh, and then I, my energy is its highest in the mornings. Right. And so like, I've really been trying to feel into, especially studying the, the science of flow is to really follow my energy. And I think this is a big thing for people who try to force themselves to do work at certain times of day, not realizing that it's not about time management, it's about energy management. And so my routine definitely includes me doing the things that require me to be at my best, especially if they're not with other people. Like if you're, if you're in a coaching call, there's an energetic exchange. And so you, your energy kind of comes up to meet the person. But if I'm like writing copy or, or creating a training or doing something like that, that's just me, I need to be top physical and mental form. So I got to do that first thing in the morning. And then I actually like to take my, I like to do my workouts kind of midday. So I like to get the work in and then use the workout as kind of a break to let my brain recover from whatever work I did in the morning before I go into my, my second half of the day. Um, I also typically do intermittent fasting, usually five days a week. So I'll have bulletproof coffee in the morning and then I won't eat until about 1 p.m. Uh, and then at night, I, I do the blue blockers from about 7, 7.30 p.m. Uh, onward. Uh, and I actually was able to get ones that clip on to my glasses. For those of you who can't see us right now, I have glasses. And I was always like, well, that's not fair. Like, I don't want to, I can't see without my glasses. And I don't want to put a pair of glasses over my glasses. I'm a geek, but I'm not that big of a geek. So I got clip-ons, which I guess is really geeky. Now, but, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that's not better. <laughs> it didn't really help much. Uh, and then I'm asleep by, uh, by usually 10.30, 10, 10.30. So I, I like to keep that routine. I like to clock in, as it were. I like to be like dressed and, and, and as if I was going to an office, I like to sit at my desk. I don't do work from the bed. Like I, I like to keep as much structure as possible. The one thing I will say that I took from my employee days and my employee mindset is the power of clocking in. And so that's really something that I think has been helpful for me is clocking in and, and, uh, and, and also what I call sacred calendaring. Uh, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Uh, and so everything goes on my calendar no matter what it is. Yeah, I always appreciated that about you. Even meetings with yourself are on yep. your calendar, which, which I think is awesome. So yep. from the H to the E in herb, E stands for environment. And you talked a little bit about that, just like with the clutter and the you know, cleaning up your stuff. But what do you allow in or not allow into your environment? And this could be your home, your car, your, wherever your space you know, that you reside. Yep. I try to allow as little as possible into my space. This is an ongoing challenge with my mother who continues to send me stuff. And I say, Ma, I don't want stuff. And then she sends me something anyway. She goes, oh, but this is just a little thing. I said, Ma, if it takes up space anywhere in my house, it can't, it, I, I don't want it. And so now I've gotten even more clear. If I can't consume it to where it disappears when I'm done with it, I don't want it. And for me, it's just like, I, I don't have a real want for a lot of physical things. I would much rather have my space clear and clean and not have a lot of clutter. So I'm one of those people that like when you're moving or doing like spring cleaning and you have 17 trash bags of stuff that you like donate, oh my God, it's, it's, it's lightweight orgasmic. It's light, light. It's not like full blown. It's like, you know how they say a sneeze is like one eighth of an orgasm. This I've is never like, heard that. Yeah, that's probably not true, but, uh, but, but it's, but it's like three eighths of an orgasm for me to get rid of a bunch of stuff. So yeah, minimal, like my car, if you look in my car, it's a little dirty right now. I need to get it washed, but like, it's dirty as in like actual dirt. It's not dirty as in there's a bunch of papers and crap inside the car. 
I like my space clean because for me, and you can tell, obviously I, I talk fast, I move fast, all that stuff. And I get judged for that all the time and I'm okay with it. Uh, is that everything already moves so fast between my ears. I want to make sure there's again, no oozing, no leaking, uh, no decision fatigue, trying to figure out, Oh man, I got to manage that. Or well, I got to find a place for that. Or, Oh, did that thing still work there? I just, I don't want to deal with that. So as minimal as possible. Yeah, I'm with you. Alex Sharfin calls that noise, like decreasing the totally. noise in your space. And that it, it goes to what you were saying about it's like that internal craziness if the external is like that. So moving on to the R, and this you're going to have a good time with, the R is resources. And that mm. can be books, programs, mentors, whatever. And I know you could probably list 8,000, but if you had to bring it down to a few, ones that just really have made a huge impact for you and that you would recommend to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So top three, like this is one of those things where if I had to just pick three people and I could only read their stuff for the rest of my life kind of stuff, uh, it would definitely be Steve Chandler. I just, his work has just changed my life in, in so many ways. Uh, so Steve Chandler's number one, uh, Byron Katie, uh, number two, just such a hardcore crush on her in, in all senses of that word. No shame. Byron Katie, I just love to death. And I, and I know she's married and I know there's no chance for us. And I know she's in her seventies. Uh, but I did run into her in the grocery store right by my house uh, last year. And I may have slipped her my number. Uh, and we may have had a rendezvous in Ojai together. Uh, or we may not have. I can either confirm nor deny it. All I will tell you is that, and this is absolutely true, she watched my Instagram stories yesterday. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just being totally honest about I tagged her in something. And it was probably her team. But let me have this, Mindy, okay? Let me have this. Um, so Byron Katie's number two, anything you want to say about that terrible thing that I just said? Uh, I actually just want to ask you if you knew that she had called my cell phone one time. No, I didn't know. What are you talking about? She just randomly like, like drunk dialed you. What did she do? No, I don't even know how this happened because she wasn't even trying to call me. She was trying to call Sean. Yeah. And whoever she got our, you know, our number from gave her my cell phone number. So I had answered the phone and she said, hello, this is Byron Katie. And I'm like, what? That's insane. She said, I'm calling to speak with Sean. Is he available? I'm like, Sean, Byron Katie's on the phone for you. That's incredible. I had no idea about that. It was I, bet I, know who, I bet I know who it was that gave it to her, by the way. I can it was it. one of two people that you know that are in the Phoenix area. Yes, exactly. Um, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, it was, it was great. So I had a, you know, like 15-second conversation with her on my cell phone, which she called. Did, um, <laughs> did, uh, did, did, she, did she mention me or uh, did she? She may have to Sean. Oh, okay. I, That's unfortunate. Let's just say she did. All right, fine. I'm going to, I'm going to stay with that. Okay. Uh, and, so and the last, Chandler, Byron Katie. Yep, Byron Katie. And the last one who I have no crush on, but I think his work is incredible is a guy named Austin Cleone. I don't know if you know Austin Cleone. Uh, no. He wrote a book called uh, show your work. He wrote another book called um, steal like an artist. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen that book. He's yeah. He's great. And if I had, if, if I'm allowed to have a fourth and I just thought of this because of yeah. Austin Cleone, I would say Stephen Pressfield. Uh, so oh, like, yes. war of art. Yeah. War of art is just always a book I go back to. So those would be my four. Love it. So from the R to the B, B stands for beliefs. Mm. What are some of your core belief 
world views that allow you to do the things you do, lead the life you lead, be who you are. Yeah. I think the main one, the, the kind of top level one that I think the top level or meta, whichever one you want to say, is that we don't have to be serious to be successful, right? And, and that's obviously, that, yeah, obviously, <laughs> but it's funny though, but, it, but Mindy, it's so funny, right? And again, you know this, cause you, you've seen me highs and, and major lows, right? Th- this is not a thing where like, I think a lot of people see me and the way I show up and the playful and the joyful and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, that's just easy for him. That's just how he always is. F no, that's I not can, true at all. I can confirm this. That is not accurate. Yeah, it's not. And, and that's the reason I do this work is because I know it to be true. And I need the reminders as much as my clients or my, or, or my audience or my students or whatever do. And so, and so for me, one of these core beliefs of like, you don't have to be serious to be successful kind of maps back to an Alan Watts distinction where he says the opposite of serious is sincere, right? So I want to be sincere about my work. I want to be devoted. I want to pour my love and my creativity and my curiosity and my attention into whatever I'm doing but I don't want to make it a serious, significant thing as much as possible. Right. So that's kind of like the core belief. And then there's a lot of other beliefs that go with that, but that's like, if, when I forget that one, every other belief becomes a push to enact into my life. I love that. That's awesome. Tell me this. If our listeners are like, this guy's a rock star. I want to learn more, see what he's got going on. Where should they go? Uh, Crescent Bay State Penitentiary. Uh, I'll, I'm in for three to five minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so yeah, I, I hang out a lot on Facebook and Instagram, uh, and it's easy to find me there. I am at the Jason Goldberg. Uh, if if you want to be pretentious, it's the Jason Goldberg. Jason Jason Goldberg was taken, right? And so I'm like, what's the most pretentious thing I can say? How about the Jason Goldberg? Uh, so so those are the places to find me. I share stuff all the time, uh, and happy to continue the conversation there. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll link to all of, all of that. You're also going to be on the Lucrative Speaker Summit, which I am delighted. When, basically, when I asked you to be a part of this, I said, look, you're like the fan favorite from 10K Speeches. So please, 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 can you be a part of this? And of course, you were generous and said, yes, absolutely. So could you give our listener just a little hint about what you might talk about on that summit? Yeah, I think just just for the listeners who who are are curious about that conversation, I think it, it went more like Mindy said, "Hey, Jason, will you?" And I said, "Yes." And then you said the rest of the stuff. And I don't think there was a whole lot of like, you know, here here's this thing, and we we th-. no, it was like we, I'm like, come on, Mindy, yeah, of course, uh, that it's a no brainer, hell yes for me. So so I love what we're going to be talking about in the summit because one of the things that I see happen all the time, and Mindy, I'm sure you've seen it, and and we can all admit this has happened to us, myself included is that we get a lot of amazing information, like world-class stuff. I'm not talking about like the crap that some people peddle, like stuff, really world-class stuff, like all the stuff that you and Sean have done, just world-class stuff, amazing stuff. And then yet somehow it doesn't get put into action, right? And, and the tough thing about this is that immediately, for, for a lot of us, that immediately brings up shame. And it's like, oh, well, then I must not be cut out for this, or God, I'm such an ass, like, oh, I'm self-sabotaging myself. And it's just all this like shame spiral, right? And then it just, you give up and then you never live your dream and then you never feel fulfilled and, and yada, 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 as the story goes. And so what I'm going to be talking about in the summit is essentially ways for you to take all of the other incredible information you're going to get from all the other speakers and make sure you actually do something with it, right? So I want you to go from inaction 
to inaction, right? And going from being in a place of, of inaction and maybe fear and not really being sure if this is something you can do, or if you use words like self-sabotage or uh, you know, fear of failure or fear of success, any of those things that come up, I wanna give you really practical, usable tools uh, and, and kind of mindset shifts and hacks that you can use so that everything you learn from the summit will, will be exponentially easier for you to implement and that you'll get exponentially better results from it. I freaking can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. For those of you that are interested in that, you'll find all the information you need at lucrativespeaker.com. My final question for you, JG, is this. If you would consider the listener on the other side of this conversation, and maybe especially the listener who's struggling right now, who's feeling the scarcity, who's feeling the challenges of life, if you would, since you've been practicing coherence, drop into that heart space and just say whatever is on your heart to that person, I think that would be really, really helpful. You know, one thing that I've learned over the years, Sean was a fucking amazing example of this and teacher of this, is the the truly unbreakable nature of the human spirit, right? We forget, we're always gonna forget the God within. It's a part of being human. Uh, I think it's a fun cosmic joke that we forget that every once in a while. Uh, and the fact that if we ever feel like gods, we can only feel like gods because we also know what it feels like to feel completely worthless. And that, that entire spectrum is totally okay to feel. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, doesn't matter what's going on in politics, doesn't matter what's going on in your home. The permission to feel is probably the biggest piece of permission I can give you that you don't actually need. And to be so gentle and compassionate with yourself as opposed to resisting and trying to fight and overcome your experience of life. And the more that you can do that, again, totally my experience, lowercase t truth, the more energy I have to create in the world, to love in the world, to have a, uh, a happier experience of life in the world. And, and I want that for all of you. I want you to realize there's nothing you've been through that you haven't gotten through because you're listening to this podcast right now. So the only evidence you have is that you are a fucking badass and you are resilient. Literally, the only evidence you have in life is that that's who you are. So if you have forgotten that for some reason today, I hope you now have a reminder of who you really are. That's fantastic. I, I call that resilient AF. Hell yes. Like resilient we are, AF. We are resilient as fuck. I mean, that you and I have been through so many different things. And that leads me to just a point of gratitude for you. And I've said this to you, but I want to say this publicly, is I so appreciate your friendship. And I've told you this before that, you know, one of the things that delights me to no end is not just the the funny times that we've had together or the laughter or you know all the different experiences with our businesses but that you and i had a, a friendship that yes you were also friends with sean you were also friends with the two of us together but you and i had a friendship that was solid and has only continued to grow since then so i i adore you you know that and thank you so much for being on this show Absolutely the same. I love you, Mindy. Thank you for, for just being a part of my world. I'm so grateful for our friendship and, and for all the work that you continue to do in the world. You're amazing. 
to the listener, you are also amazing. And I'm delighted that you've spent this time here with us. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes. And please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of The Lucrative Society, where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.